Yeah. And, and in the beginning of this process, it was, it was very difficult. It was like a top that was imbalanced. You know, I would, I would say I'm going to, uh, you know, especially before I was a married man with, with a child, uh, you know, I'm going to only think about business for, you know, maybe months at a time where I'm doing very, very little other than just thinking about business or working on a business or, you know, literally like hammering on a spreadsheet or whatever it might be. Um, and I found that in those times where I was most focused on only achieving a certain goal, you know, my, my energy diminished, my passion diminished, my ability to staying motivated takes work. If you don't work on your motivation, you become unmotivated. Join Umar Jang as he shares inspirational stories and tips to get you motivated to do whatever you need to do. This is the Motivational Voice Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Motivational Voice Podcast. This is session number 55. I hope you are doing well. I was looking at my calendar for the things that I have scheduled and coming up and I was feeling thankful. I was thankful not because I had a ton of things to do, but because I have the tools, the skill set, and the discipline to focus on what I need to do, my priorities. Even though my calendar has a ton of things on it, I only focus on the things that I need to do, the priorities. My dad, may he rest in peace, used to say to me when I was nine years old, Umar, life is about balance. It's about not doing too much and not doing too little. And all these years, I kept that close to my heart. And whenever I do something, especially if it's something that we tend to overdo, I apply that advice. And that ties very well to today's topic, how to balance your work, business, family, and yourself. My guest today is going to share some excellent tips on how to do just that. So find a quiet place and let's dive right into the interview. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Oh, Umar, thank you so much for having me, brother. It's nice to meet you today. Uh, and I'm excited that you're uh, letting me uh, share your audience today. So I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. So who is Jason and what do you do? Uh, well, so I am uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm a father. Uh, I'm a fighter. I, I do jujitsu and kickboxing uh, pretty often, and, and I've fallen in love with that in my my most recent years. Um, but but most importantly, I'm, I'm somebody that um, thinks deeply about the relationships in my life, the way that I spend my life, uh, and as an entrepreneur, sort of how I uh, put my best foot forward as an entrepreneur for the world. Um, so I'm a veteran. Uh, was in the United States military when I was a younger man. Uh, spent uh, four years uh, in the army. Um, after that, I, I went to school. I did two things. I went to school for finance at DePaul and and learned how to you know thinking I was going to become a titan of industry. And at the same time that I enrolled in school, uh, two other veteran friends and I started a small dusty gym uh, in a fourth floor of a warehouse in Chicago. Uh, and lo and behold, over the years. Uh, I found my attention increasingly drawn towards this small tribe uh, of clients and people that were involved in this gym. It was where all of my focus would be. And so I'd be, you know, working on a $50 million deal. And all I could think about was my $8,000 a month CrossFit gym down the street. Uh, and so ultimately, that led me to realize that ultimately, I really just uh, wanted to express my vision and, and build tribe around businesses and health and relationships. Uh, and so I've done that for the past several years um, and am continuing to do that today. 
first of all, thank you for your service. People say thank you for your service to those who served a lot. And it, it dawned on me recently when I was preparing for this interview, is that the right thing to say? What would you want people to tell you? You know, I, I, I most focus on my response. And my response to that, Umar, is I think your freedom was worth it. So, uh, you know, when, when I look at my uh, service and, and going into the military, and uh, frankly, I could have gone into Peace Corps, I could have gone into Teach for America, uh, certainly, even by looking at me, you can tell that that's probably not, have, that was, the military was probably the right choice. Uh, but, um, you know, I went into it selfishly. I went into it with uh, with a desire to find structure. I went into it because I knew that I had all the ability that anybody could ask for, but I had no focus and I had no discipline and I didn't have um, an internal driver of duty. You know, you hear people talk sometimes like, you know, Jocko Willink or, you know, Tim Kennedy or some of these guys that have done these great things. And it seems like, and I can't speak for them, but it seems like they had this strong compulsion to serve. And, you know, I wish I could tell you that was the case for me. For me, um, I found myself as a 21-year-old man with, like I said, all the ability and just none of the focus, drive, or direction. And I had read enough books and seen enough movies to know that going into the military would be a really good way to sort of throw that up in, in, into trying to find that. And, and I was right. I, I found it. And, you know, not a day goes by that I'm not thankful for the experience and the relationships and, you know, the internal uh, compass and roadmap that I was able to grow by being involved in that. We talked a little bit about it, but what do you feel that you that pushed you into going into you know something as organized as the military? Was it uh, was it a personal decision, or did you just kind of wake up one day and be like, you know what, I I, I gotta serve? Yeah, so I'm someone who's like natural rhythm is I find things that I'm interested in. Uh, I think mo most people would describe themselves that are visionary entrepreneurs or visionaries. Uh, I have a, I find a natural rhythm in something that I'm really excited by, something I enjoy doing, and I just go as deep as I possibly can into that thing. Um, and so, for instance, when I was a young man, I was interested in cars. I worked at a car wash and a shop. I was interested in clothes. I worked at the mall. I was always trying to make things uh, go deeper and deeper and deeper into the things I was doing. Uh, well, from the time I was about 17 until the time I was about 21, I got very heavily into playing competitive pool, uh, billiards, uh, and then eventually got into competitive poker. This was around the time that the World Series of Poker became big, and I was a little bit earlier than that. Uh, and I have to tell you, as a 21-year-old impulsive person, uh, trying to be a professional gambler in pool and poker uh, is is a very dicey uh, endeavor. And so it just became apparent to me uh, I never wanted to uh, to degenerate. I didn't want my life to degenerate in, down the, the rabbit hole of that. And so what I was looking for, um, whether I knew it or not at the time, was some virtuous thing that I could that I could apply myself to. Not to say that those other two things can or without merit. Um, but looking for something that I could link into. And so that ultimately became business uh, in the form of both the corporate job as well as uh, fitness and business in the corporate, in the, in the, the, um, the business that we initially started. And so, uh, and, and even today, you know, I, I mentioned it already. I'm, I'm very heavily involved in helping people with their businesses, growing my business, being the best father I can be and being a fighter in the form of jujitsu and kickboxing. And those things now serve me and my interest and my time that I spend in them is very intentionally and deliberately designed to serve me into becoming a better and better version of the man that I ultimately want to be. Yeah. And I think interestingly, that's a good segue into 
our topic today because you, you seem to have or, and continue to balance a lot of things on your plate, uh, which is uh, why we're talking today. We're talking about balancing business, family, and self. Now, how did this come about, this topic of balancing everything? I think I have a hint based on everything you just said, but can you talk us through how you how this came about, this idea of balancing life, essentially? You know, it's definitely something that I have to think about. Uh, there are times when my life becomes unbalanced over the course of time, even now. Um, for instance, launching the business that I'm currently running. Uh, you know, there was times there where I wasn't making it into the gym as frequently as I would like. Uh, the, the one non-negotiable was I was spending hours a day with my wife and daughter, Lucy. Uh, but aside from that, it was business and then family. Business and then family. And, and that was pretty much all I was able to manage. Um, but I've, I've sort of developed a knack for, I like to call it shepherding my own attention span. And so what I've found is that if I, if I, if I create situations where what I want to do and what my interest is, is actually the virtuous thing and the profitable thing and the thing that's going to get me towards what my ultimate goals are, I find that I don't have to think about it. I don't have to muster up energy. Umar, it was not a difficult thing for me to get on this call with you today because I'm excited to share my message and to hear your, uh, take and your your personal point of view and and to share this with the audience and hopefully it helps some of them in some way or whatever it may be but I'm going to get energy from this podcast, just like I got energy from uh, hosting a mastermind with my tribe earlier today or from going to the gym. And I certainly was using a lot of energy at the gym this morning, but somehow I left and I had more energy than when I arrived. And so what I've found is by knowing myself and what fuels me and the things that I really enjoy doing, um, I actually have access to an almost almost unlimited, um, unlimited amount of energy uh, to pursue those things. And then from a balanced perspective, you know, I've, I've identified the those four or five categories of my life that are most important, that draw my attention, that give me energy. And so, you know, if I, if I were to list them for you today, there's, these are specific to me, but they're probably not outlandish. You know, my family, uh, my personal care, you know, I go on long walks with my dogs and I go into float tanks and, and personal development. Uh, I listen to podcasts and read audiobooks and go to summits and masterminds. And then time with business and then time, uh, it, in my case, with martial arts. But that certainly could be hot yoga or it could be cycling or running or CrossFit or whatever it might be. So it sounds like you are purposefully finding the areas or the categories, as you put it, that you are interested in, in, in and making those a priority. Is that right? Yeah. And, and in the beginning of this process, it was, it was very difficult. It was like a top that was imbalanced. You know, I would, I would say I'm going to, uh, you know, especially before I was a married man with, with a child, uh, you know, I'm going to only think about business for, you know, maybe months at a time where I'm doing very, very little other than just thinking about business or working on a business or, you know, literally like hammering on a spreadsheet or whatever it might be. Um, and I found that in those times where I was most focused on only achieving a certain goal, you know, my, my energy diminished, my passion diminished, my ability to, uh, you know, um, like be enigmatic or creative or visionary, just it, dis it dissipated. And so what I found was there is sort of 
things that have to happen in my life outside of my career or even my personal relationships in order to make me able to show up as the best version of myself. And so, you know, if you're seeing this video, you see that my hat, my shirt, and even this tattoo on my arm have a symbol on it. And that symbol is a spear and an infinite loop or clover of rope. Uh, and, and there's a story behind that, but the short version is, is, you know, I found that, you know, just being laser focused on my goals requires the balance of also being curious and playful and taking time to learn new things. And, and so that's my spear and clover symbol, which is so personal to me, um, to, to reminding me that it's not just the spear, it's not just the clover that's, you know, fun loving and, and hangs and is friendly and curious and, and fun to be around. It's a combination of both of those two things. For those who are not seeing it, Jason just showed me uh, his, his arm and uh, there's a tattoo of a spear and, a spear and, and clover uh, with a spear kind of going straight through the middle of the clover. So sorry to interrupt. I wanted to call that out for what no, you were referring to. I, yeah, I, I realized that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh... It's, it's, it'll probably be on my tombstone. And for me, you know, I've, I've heard it in many other, you know, I, I just recently met a, a great guy named Kerry Jack and his uh, podcast is called the happy hustle podcast. And it's the same idea. Be happy, have a great life, in, enjoy your family and be a good friend and a good, you know, representative in your community and also hustle and work towards deliberate goals and, you know, solve problems and add value to the people you serve. Um, and, and, and if I'm able to do that and, in my own life, then I think that's winning. And if I'm able to help other people on the path to doing that in their lives, I think that's, you know, just phenomenal. Now, I know there are things in our lives that we have to balance or we have to deal with that we don't necessarily want to deal with, right? So yeah. it could be our job. It could be maybe someone or something in our lives that we really don't want to deal with, but we have to. And for some of us, Things can be a little top-heavy, meaning we might gravitate towards one thing versus, you know, several others that may be healthier for us. How do you create a balance for the things that we that are pulling us one way that we don't want to do, but we don't have a choice of doing? What what would you say uh, would be a good practice for us to, to maybe think about? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it's really difficult to talk about the tactical day-to-day -day aspect without looking at like the strategic long-term aspect, at least briefly first. And so what I would say is make sure that your ship is pointed to a destination on the horizon that you really want to get to. Okay. And if, and that means your job, that means your relationships, that means what you do with your body and, and what you put into your body. Um, and so if your job is, I'm trying to build, you know, um, a gym, or I'm trying to build, I'm trying to start a podcast, or I'm trying to build a house, or I'm trying to, uh, I, I work at a corporation that I believe in, and I see a path to autonomy and success and value in my life and the lives of the people around me, then it's very easy for me on that. If you imagine that same horizon and that same ship, it's very easy for me to see waves that are coming as very small in the grander picture. And so the day-to-day -day becomes a lot easier. Uh, balancing things, overcoming struggles, you can view those, those struggles and those hurdles and those, those, those boulders that are standing in your way as pebbles, right? Because ultimately on this longer journey, that's the important thing. I think where people get into trouble is where they, they focus only on that day-to-day. -day. They focus only on what's right in front of them. And so these pebbles look very much like boulders and these, these ripples look very much like tidal waves, right? And so if there isn't a place that I'm trying to get to on, on the horizon that I really believe in strongly and, and it's virtuous to me and it's, 
you know, valuable and and worth worthwhile. Uh, if there isn't that thing, it's very easy to see a pebble as a, a a boulder and to change direction. And once you've changed direction, now you're heading in a totally different direction. You see another ripple or another pebble, and you change direction again. And lo and behold, many many years go by, and you find yourself in the same place as you were years before. And every single day has been full of appear of of seemingly very huge obstacles because there was no valuable long-term strategic goal or outcome or, um, you know, mountain that made the molehill look small, right? Yeah, that, I think that that makes sense in terms of uh, where you should put your focus on. Um, yeah. And uh, I think depending on personalities, some people have a, a tendency to focus on, let's say, the negative things or focus on and those tend to take a lot of our attention right if 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 you get 10 compliments on walking down the street and someone says man i hate that that those pants yeah. <laughs> all you could think about are the pants right and you forget yeah. the nine other people that complimented you in terms of of mindset around balancing things out what should you do to actually maybe focus on those you know on that bigger picture and not the the, the as you put it the small pebbles yeah, that's a great question. Uh, to address the first half of it, what I would say is I'm at a place in my life where most of the good feedback that I get is negative. Most of the valuable feedback that I get is negative um, because uh, I think when we when we do, somebody tells us 10 nice things and then there's one negative thing. I think the reason the negative thing really impacts us is because either there's truth in it Okay. Or we have some lack of self-confidence because we haven't really addressed internally ourselves, right? Uh, if, if somebody tells me that they don't like my mustache, which I assure you, Umar, happens quite often, uh, I, I, if I hadn't uh, you know, dealt with who I am and, and how I look and how I present myself to the world and my confidence in that and my ability to just be an agent out freely in the world being free, uh, then that would maybe hurt my feelings. It just doesn't affect me. In fact, it happened last week and my wife mentioned it and I didn't realize it had happened. Uh, but that's not the point. Uh, and so to me, as somebody who's always trying to get better, uh, I need to be able to separate the poison from the medicine. And so when I get positive feedback about how great a website is, or how great the, uh, an experience was at one of my businesses or how great any of this stuff is, that's great. That's, that's the expectation for someone who's out there trying to deliver value to the world, um, even as a person, not even as an entrepreneur, right? Uh, but it's the feedback. It's my responsibility as a man and as a woman, but my responsibility as a man, uh, to, to show up if I'm trying to be the best that I can looking for those flaws, looking for the things that are, that are maybe not um, – positive so that I can try to improve or so that I can use that information to eliminate useless people from my life or to help them find a better path where they're not knocking people on the ground all the time. But uh, to me, I think, you know, the most valuable feedback I ever get is negative. Uh, certainly that's why they stand out to us. And I think there's an evolutionary, you know, imperative to that. I think negative feedback was how you survived and positive feedback was nice. Uh, but, you know, negative feedback is what kept you alive, probably. I think a lot of the not to say uh, bad things, but a lot of the the things that trip us in in life today, in modern life, is comes from our our old fashioned Neanderthal brain, if you will, that was focused on surviving uh, in the wild and not being eaten by by a saber toothed tiger. What would you say to someone who's listening and who's thinking, okay, yeah, you're right, I do have a rather unbalanced life, and I need to do something about it. 
what would be a good place for them to start? I would start by asking yourself, looking at the things that you do. Like, so I love time studies. Uh, this is something that I would do with clients. I'll do a time study of my time. And again, this is for entrepreneurs, but this is also just for anybody. And I would look at how you're spending your time and I would break it down, uh, first by categories, simple stuff, you know, family time, personal time, you know, self care, uh, you know, business time. And if you're an entrepreneur, I like to separate business into strategic and tactical, right? So strategic being building things that are going to make me money long term. And tactical things are putting out fires and making money today, right? Uh, again, not to get into the weeds, just wanted to be clear. Um, but I want to look at what I'm spending my time doing. And then I want to go through that and say, okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm spending my time doing over a period of time. Uh, do each of these things serve me? Do they make me better? Or do they not serve me and make me weaker? And if they do, is there a great reason for that? Does it make me stronger to to play dress up with my two year old daughter and and put on makeup or you know play with crayons and toys? It doesn't make me stronger, but it definitely serves my life. And so there are trade offs there. But you know, to me, I think that um, anybody listening to this, as much as it would be easy for me to give you a bullet pointed list of exactly how I would wake up and exactly how I would go through my week and exactly how I'd plan out my monthly, quarterly, and annual goals, and I've got that. I can do that if you'd like. Um, what I would say is you probably know those things in your life that are serving you now, and you probably know those things in your life that have become um, – you know, downward spirals that, that you do based on momentum or addiction or lack of, or boredom for God's sake. I mean, all of us is walking around with this boredom eliminating machine in our pockets that we call phones. And how many of us actually would want to be on their phones more? Very few, right? Most people would say that they're on their phone too much. Um, or, you know, certainly there are those strong of us that don't do it at all and they carry flip phones, but they're missing out on stuff. I think very much there's there's areas in all of our lives that that we probably would eliminate or modify. But the only ability, the only ability you have something to move is you need to measure it. Measure something before you move it. And so get a real look in the mirror. You know, I've, I previously used to work with nutrition clients when I was running a gym day to day. Uh, and I'd have a nutrition client that'd be like, I eat pretty much normal. Great. Well, why don't you write down what you eat tomorrow? Just write it all down, take a picture of the plate or whatever it is, and let's just see. And somebody who would eat basically normal would be like, well, I had a sensible breakfast. I had two eggs and I had a piece of toast or whatever. Uh, and then I had a, you know, a protein shake before the gym. And then, uh, and then I went and I had lunch, I had a salad. And then uh, in the evening I had, I had some salmon and I had some asparagus and then, uh, and then I laid in bed and I had three Snickers, uh, and I had an entire bag of, uh, an entire strip of Starburst. And it's like, up oh, there it is right there. Did you know that you did that? And I'm like, well, yeah. And it's like, well, so you don't eat mostly good. You eat mostly good during the day and then you eat terrible at night. And so it, it, I think it's the same in, in our behavior is, you know, somebody will be like, well, I, you know, I, uh, I volunteer at my local church and I have a, a, a youth group that I'm a part of. And, um, and every night when I come home, I drink a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm not saying change everything, but I'm sure that we could probably point to the, out of those three things, like what we might want to move the dial on. Um, and so if you're listening to this right now, you probably already know. And I, you know, I've smarter men than me have said in the past, things like the thing that you most want is on the other side of the thing that you most don't want to do. And so maybe give that a thought. The meals that you eat are an important part of your health, but let's be honest. It's really hard to find time to cook a meal every single day, let alone a healthy one. If you are the person who cooks for your family like I do at home, you know more than anyone that it's not easy to cook healthy foods. 
What if I told you that there's an easy way to get all of the best meals you want for little to no effort? Right now, you can get a simple, easy to follow meal plan that will not only take the guesswork out of cooking, but also help you maintain a healthy weight without living on kale or eating unhealthy foods. That's right. You can take a 30-second quiz and get a meal plan sent directly to your inbox. All you have to do is go to bluezoneremedy.com forward slash meal plan. Take a 30-second quiz and you will immediately receive a customized meal plan that will make cooking for your family a hundred times easier. Again, that's bluezoneremedy.com forward slash meal plan. Yeah, I think that's a very good point in that we think we know what we are doing, where we're spending our time, but it, it becomes a brand new discovery when you write it down, whether it's setting goals or trying to figure out, okay, what do I really do, right? You think you're having one beer when you're really having maybe yeah. four. Uh, and I think yeah. writing it down, that's a great idea. I I talk about that a lot in the podcast. You got to write it down. You got to write it down. Otherwise, number one, out of sight, out of mind. Number two, you don't know until you write it down. And yeah, I think you, what you talked about, about the, the things that... Um, that are the quote-unquote downward spiral things. Some of those can be addictions, and of course, some of those can be just guilty pleasures. Those are the most difficult ones, at least in my experience, people that I've spoken to and worked with to get rid of. Have you encountered any any success or had any success with people you talk to, yourself, in terms of how to effectively just maybe cut out those negative things? Yeah. So again, there's the tactical and then there's the strategic way to approach this. The tactical way to approach this is to write down those things that are about you, that you're doing, that you just don't want to do, that you think you should do less of. And so uh, that's that's something that, you know, uh, AA is a very uh, is a very effective way to deal with being an alcoholic is to um, is to go every day to a meeting. And, and I'm not in AA and I have nothing but respect for those folks. Uh, it's not something I've struggled with, but uh, it is sort of a well-known example of like, okay, we're going to do this. It's going to be an ongoing journey and we're going to um, – you know, approach it in that way. Uh, in a totally different way, uh, strategically, would be to really understand the type of person that you want to be and really understand what that person does. And that is a very strong motivator. Now, this isn't, and I shouldn't have used the AA example probably because I'm not comparing it. I'm not saying you should quit AA and go do this. But I'm just saying for me in my life, uh, when I've wanted to make changes in the way that I behave, for instance, I owned a CrossFit gym for 12 years uh, and now do jujitsu. And so my behavior in the gym has changed dramatically. My nutrition has changed slightly. Uh, my um, the, the training that I watch, the people that I listen to for advice, all that stuff has shifted. And it was easy because the goal shifted from being a CrossFit athlete and, and the things that are entailed with that and certainly still very much love that. Uh, to being a competitive jujitsu person. And if that's the case, I'm going to do different things. I'm going to behave differently. But I don't have to remind myself of that. I don't have to think about it day to day. It just is what it is. It inform My journey is informed by the destination. And so what I would say is, 
if you want to change the way you're going through life, your, your journey, then you really need to think about, okay, what is the destination and what are the requirements for me to get to that destination? Uh, you know, um, reading a book called Outlive by Peter Atia right now. And if the goal is to live after a hundred, then you can't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and that's just the, it is what it is. And if you're somebody that, that, um, keeps your word to yourself and, and can understand how my objective is this and this input is against that, it becomes easier and easier to change those day-to-day things the more you believe and are convicted in that long-term goal. It sounds like you would recommend them focusing on a specific aspect of that off of that list and maybe taking it one by one. At least putting down the list or writing down and creating that list gives you, we talked about a whole overview of you know the things that you should really be focusing on reducing and tackling them maybe one by one or the ones that are most important to you in your life. Sure. There are things that you can do. If you don't have a, a clear vision and uh, let's say you're young and you don't know what your life's journey is going to be or have that taken care of, um, there are some stuff you can do. I love this idea of a perfect week calendar where I, I take a blank calendar um, and I put non-negotiables on that calendar first. And those typically are Things like there's three times a week where I'm going to be at a gym. There's one time a week where I'm going to do what I call a solo mission, whether that's a long walk, whether that's going to a float tank or sitting in a room silently just reading or thinking about my place in the universe or whatever it is, um, some form of self-care. Um, and then I have family time blocked out in the calendar. Um, and then if, if there are other things in my life, then I put those in there as well. And then I backfill that the rest of that calendar with work, with free time to do whatever, um, um, and because I put those non-negotiable things in first, those are the the core building blocks of ultimately like the person that I will end up becoming over time. And if I have time to watch Succession on HBO at the end of the night, then I will, you know, and I certainly have lately, by the way. Um, but yeah, I just want to get really tactical of like, yeah, you absolutely should be doing some form. I like to do collective elective suffering. In other words, I like to do group workouts that are really hard, uh, that afterwards we're all better friends for it. Uh, I think that brings people together in community. I think it makes you push yourself harder. I think it gives you uh, an outcome uh, that's beyond just fitness. Uh, so whether that's hot yoga or CrossFit or jujitsu or cycling with a group or running with a group, whatever, um, surfing, um, and I like the uh, solo missions as well. I like spending time every single week thinking not about the day-to-day, but thinking about myself, my st- my my long-term vision for my life, my place in the universe, my relationships, those types of things. I think we each have our unique way of coping, but it is helpful for people to hear maybe what, what has worked for you, yeah. uh, and they might find value in that. So thanks for, for sharing that. How has... All of this, you know, striking this balance in your life made you a better person, maybe compared to a previous uh, Jason, right? Jason, yeah. you know, 20 years ago, maybe. It's a good question. Uh, so there's two things that come to mind right away. One is... Um, it's learning that I actually, so let's say I have an objective of being a great entrepreneur. I have an objective of building a business. Um, in the past, in my late twenties and early thirties as a young entrepreneur, uh, I would think that pouring all of my energy directly into that one purpose would be the best possible use of my time and energy. Um, and, and I, I just objectively don't, uh, don't believe that anymore. Uh, at least for me personally, I have found that if I try to do that, the other areas of my life suffer, there's disharmony, you know, there's 
you know, relationship struggles or there's, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I look in the mirror and I see this like overweight, you know, person that's not happy and is stressful, stressed out. And, you know, I don't have relationships. What I found is objectively for me is when I do divide my attention amongst these other things that make me enjoy being me more that I actually find, you know, I'm coming up with great ideas while I'm at jujitsu or I'm talking to my wife after dinner and we're having a nice evening. And she says, have you ever thought about X, Y, and Z? And believe it or not, my wife, Donna should be credited with all of the success that I've had because some of the most uh, successful things we've done were from conversations where she threw an idea I hadn't seen coming at me. And so for certain, uh, that has been the case. Uh, the second thing is, um, this is, uh, you know, you hear in entrepreneur circles a lot, the idea of this shiny object syndrome. Uh, and so when I was living a less balanced life, I would dive in on uh, a certain topic or a certain business or a certain idea. Um, and then as soon as it got um, less exciting or we were past the launch phase or it got a little bit duller and it wasn't quite as shiny, I would jump to the next thing. What I've found is by taking time away from, from that and caring for myself and developing relationships and being in the gym and having you know a strong relationship with my wife and daughter and my family at large, um, when I come back to it, I'm able to dig into the next level of that same thing. And so instead of, you know, opening up a roller skating rink tomorrow, because I saw some commercial with roller skating on it, uh, instead of doing that, I, I dive deeper into the next step, the next problem, the next level of that same thing that I've been working on. And so it's, it's only through that, uh, that I've been able to see long-term success in any business that I've ever been a part of. It's only from, you know, diving into an idea inevitably hitting some valley of despair where my momentum and exuberance runs out and then having to find a new way to approach that problem to move to the next level where I, again, encounter a brick wall that I'm unable to break with my previous tools, which gets me excited to learn the tools that it will take to break through to the next level again. And so um, it's painful. Uh, it's a struggle. And genuinely, over time, what started as me saying that I embrace the struggle has resulted in me actually in some sick way, loving the struggle. As you were saying that I was smiling, I think that shiny object syndrome is probably the, the number one killer of everything, focus, opportunities, and so on. And I have found the, what you described to be true for me as well. It's, it took me a number of years to, to come to the realization that you need to go deeper on one thing and actually finish it, even if it's not perfect, than getting a lot of things and trying to get a lot done. Uh, and I think part of that comes from the fact that when we're younger, we, we have the energy, we have the stamina to just jump on, you know, scroll, scroll, you know, and we jump on different things, but we realize later that we haven't accomplished anything. Entrepreneurs don't fail because they fail. They fail because they stop. They fail because they don't keep going. They fail because they don't continue to develop into the person that it required to get to the next level. And, and that's hard. And that's why they get compensated handsomely <laughs> when they would succeed, right? Uh, and it, it certainly hasn't always been the case. But, um, you know, you don't fail by, by any one problem. You fail by giving up. Now, you, you mentioned Jiu-Jitsu quite a bit. And... As a former martial artist, I have to bring it up. Yeah. So, so what? what how, how long have you been doing jujitsu? And, uh, and what, what is it actually? Great. Great question. So jiu-jitsu is a, uh, it's typically, it's referred to as Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, although it has evolved quite a bit in the last 
30 years. Uh, but it, um, it's a grappling sport, uh, somewhat similar to like judo or wrestling. Um, but where judo and wrestling take place standing, uh, this sport takes place primarily on the ground. Uh, and so jujitsu is, you know, if you watch, if you've ever seen MMA, uh, it's very similar to what the non-striking components of what you see in MMA. And so it's joint locks, it's, um, you know, it's, it's chokes. Uh, and the nice thing about jujitsu is there isn't striking. And so there aren't the same dire consequences that you have in kickboxing or taekwondo or, you know, cage fighting. Uh, and so because of that, as a 40 year old man, who's pretty banged up from over the years, uh, doing jujitsu represents, uh, from a physical perspective alone represents something that I can go as hard as I want with, and I'm on the ground. So there's not as many throws and things like that as you would see in judo or wrestling. Um, and I can succeed against far younger men about against people that are potentially stronger than me or bigger than me. Uh, and so, especially for women, it's fantastic. Um, smaller people, it's fantastic. Um, but from like a, from like a spiritual and like community level, um, as I'm sure you've experienced as a martial artist, there is just nothing like sort of the sweat bonds of the training yeah. partners you have when you're both going a hundred percent against each other in this, you know, it's, I've heard it described as like a chess match on human bodies. That's, that's infinite, right? Uh, two very well matched, you know, even moderately skilled competitors can fight. I've, I just recently watched a two and a half hour match, which is certainly crazy. Usually it's five minutes, right? Uh, uh, but I watched a two and a half hour match and there was just this parody of them going back and forth and you do this. So I do that. So you do this. So I do that. And, um, so that element is fantastic. There's this, this rapidly changing problem solving environment. And then the final thing that I think really lends itself to these really deep, uh, bonds between people that do it together is the grace and like the kindness that happens when I'm choking you and could actually kill you and you tap. And I let you go. And then we hug it out and then we start over again. And so there is this, um, you know, it's not the same as a strike. A strike happens or it doesn't. Maybe I pull a, a punch back or whatever. But when, when I have somebody's neck inside of my arm and there, and all of the power that I can bring to bear behind it, there is this like hundreds of kindness actions being happened in any given class of jujitsu. And so I very much love that. Um, and then from a metaphorical perspective, you know, um, there's so many, I've never found another medium, uh, that has provided more metaphors for how to live a good life. Um, and so, so often you find yourself in a bad position and the thing that you want to do is to struggle and buck and kick wildly. But the thing that you have to do is remain calm and rely on the things that you've trained and, and, and use leverage and, and knowledge and movement as opposed to like brute force and, uh, and gritting your teeth and, and explosiveness, right? It, it just does doesn't pay as well off as it does. And this is such a great metaphor for life. And um, man, I could go on and on about it. What what was your martial art, Umar? No, yeah, I was in uh, just uh, standard karate and I, I dabbled in, in uh, judo as well. Uh, but yeah, the, the reason I asked was because some of the benefits that you described, and this does tie into what we are talking about in terms of balance of, between family, self, uh, you know, and uh, in general. Technically, you know, you could say it's a hobby, but it's really, it's more than that, right? It, it's teaching you skills, physical skills, but also those mental skills to have the situational awareness to just pause and say, okay, 
what do I want to do right now based on this that just happened to me? And that has drastically impacted my life. And I can tell from you as well to just have that wherewithal to stop and just think about what you want to do next, which is so rare nowadays to find. And that is part of balance, being able to control yourself, control your emotions and, and think 50 steps ahead. Yeah. You know, just to, can I tag that real quick would be the two things that come to mind right away from your answer there is number one, I think this is super helpful, especially in my experience, uh, when I've talked to women about jujitsu, it separate or children to, or parents, uh, it separates violence and anger. Uh, I'm sorry, it separates fear and anger from violence. So physical altercation it, 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 as, as a young person, especially as a man, as a boy growing up, um, how much tension and fear was around what might happen? I don't know what will happen. What if he pushes me? What if they gang up on me? What if this happens? What if that happens? Uh, well, by, by training – you know, if somebody comes to you in a bar and you're a 20 year old and you've had 30 fights this week with people that train all the time, there, there's no outcome that's, or there's very few outcomes that are going to scare you, you know, into freezing up or into, you know, not being able to act in the best way possible or, or even just take away your confidence. There's, it's not the fights that I had in bars, which were not many, but it's not the fights that I had in bars or in high school or anything. It's the, it's the things I never said. It's the people I never spoke to. It's the conversations I didn't have. It's the places I didn't dare go because I was afraid that something bad might happen. And I just don't live in that world anymore in the same way. Whereas if you and I right now, totally out of the blue, decided to debate a topic that neither of us had prepared for, I would be, I would have fear and, and I'd be withholding and I'd be afraid because I hadn't prepared for this and I don't know what you might say. But if we talked about something like martial arts that we both know about and we have a point of view on and we've spent time thinking about it, well, it's no big deal to just have this conversation. And I know that we probably will walk away as friends, even if we didn't agree on it. And so in the same way that my mind can be prepared for any conversation or outcome or situation that might arise, I believe that by preparing my body and my mind for these same things in a physical way uh, allows me to go through life with kindness. Because ultimately, kindness and grace is best delivered from someone who's in a strong position right? It's easier to be charitable when you have a lot of money. It's easier to be kind to people when you're not afraid of what they might do to you physically or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Absolutely. Now, Jason, where can people get in to get a hold of you? Uh, so I, I'm easy to get a hold of. I'm easy to find. Uh, you can find me at my website, spearandclover.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at spearandclover uh, or Jason Skisik, no spaces in either. Um, you can reach out to me. I offer uh, all sorts of uh, resources and tools, um, free courses, uh, also uh, mastermind and paid courses for entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, I'm on a mission currently. I'm building a program and launching a program that's designed to um, – help promote the virtues of masculinity by helping uh, hormone replacement clinics. So that's something that I'm pleased to announce that we're working on. Uh, but I still work with all sorts of different types of entrepreneurs. And so if you're uh, interested in any help, reach out and I'll be had, happy to help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. We'll make sure to put all of that in, in the show notes. And any final words? You know, I'm just really happy to be here and I appreciate your time, Umar. And if you're still listening to this, it's very much because you like Umar and the guests that he brings on. And so I would encourage anybody still listening to this to like, subscribe and review this uh, because that means so much to folks like Umar and it means so little to, to the two minutes it'll take you to do it. That was my interview with Jason Skisik. A takeaway for me from our conversation is that no one is immune 
to living a life where you are potentially led by activities that seemingly have to be done. Work, passion projects, hobbies, guilty pleasures, desires, etc. These things will happen and they are an inevitable part of life. But because of their magnitude, because of the sheer number of them, you cannot afford to be led by them. Instead, you need to decide what two or three things are most important to you and focus on those things just like we talked about in this episode. And whatever you make your priorities to be, they need to be things that you can control. You do not want to go down a rabbit hole where you are focusing on things that you have no control over. That's a whole nother headache. However, the key is to start where you are and build from there. If you know what your priorities are, be driven by them. If you don't know what your priorities are, track where your time is spent and start there. Are those the right priorities? Should they change? Are you trying to do too much? What would make you feel fulfilled and happy? What's in the best interest of you and your family? Make decisions based on your life goals and stick to it. You can find the show notes for today's episode on my website at umarjeng.com forward slash session 55. You can also just look in the description of this episode to see everything that we talked about in this interview. If you enjoyed listening to the podcast, rate the show and drop us a comment to let us know what this episode has meant to you. It only takes a moment and rating the show helps the podcast get noticed and helps others discover the show and learn from the information that I share. Thank you so much for doing that and thank you for spending part of your day with me today. Until next time, please stay safe and motivated. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Motivational Voice Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate it on iTunes. Get show notes and the latest blog posts at omarjang.com.